Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Genesis chapter 42. And um, we've been doing a study for several weeks now, and um, it's been a lot about fathers uh, along the way. We haven't brought a whole lot out, but today we're going to look a little bit about uh, some fathers and uh, some lessons here that we can learn. But we've seen this drama uh, play out throughout this study, and some of it at times can seem a little bit surreal. We, We look at it and we say, now, I can't really hardly associate with that uh, because, again, we're talking about kings. We're talking about uh, different, different things that are different cultural uh, differences. But, um, so it can seem a little bit surreal, but there's along the way have been life lessons that we can take and that we have taken uh, that are very important because these are real stories. These were real people. Again, real lessons that we can apply in our lives today. And today's not going to be any different, but this is, this is the important thing. Uh, today, as we look at this, these life lessons, um, I, I encourage you, don't just jot them down, don't just put them on the notes, uh, pray, seek to really apply these in your life. Uh, make sure these are a, a part of who you are, or if it's a negative life lesson, that it's not a part of who you are. Uh, last week, if you were here, remember we saw uh, Joseph doing something that was phenomenal, and it was a life lesson that we learned, and, and, and this is the life lesson, give grace as you've been given. So God has given all of us grace, and even as his children, gives us a measure of grace uh, to serve him with. And so we are to give grace to others as God has given to us. And hopefully you take that lesson and apply it. Hopefully I take that lesson and apply it. Um, Sometimes we uh, don't love to do that. Uh, For for example, it's hard to do that. Uh, We have missionaries, and and some of you know this already, a prayer request that put out the Rogers family. Uh, Jaron uh, was robbed this morning, or yesterday morning, and uh, lots of money for a ministry project. And uh, so we were talking to him last night and, and just trying to have that right mentality. And, and even uh, his response saying to his, his girls what he wanted to, to communicate to them uh, was that God is in control, uh, that we need to pray for those that, that they would get saved, you know? I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to do, to pray. Somebody that's done you wrong, somebody that's, that's damaged you, uh, to show them grace or extend grace. And so, um, again, it's hard to do. It's not easy to do to give grace as you've been given, but it's something that every single one of us should, uh, should do. Uh, this morning, as we move forward to this, we're going to see Joseph's a little bit further beyond this extension of grace to his brothers. We're going to see a little bit of his motivation in his life, uh, his actions, his attitude extending through everything that he does. And so, um, great lessons for us today. Let's pray and we'll look at them. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity to gather in your name. Uh, Lord, today the, the, the music that we've, able, we've been able to lift up to you and worship uh, has just already been a, a great blessing for us. I know it's, it's filled us up. I just pray that it's pleasing to you. God, it's an expression of our love, expression of our thanks, uh, expression of... Um, everything that we can give to you in, in, in that form. And uh, Lord, we're thankful that you've given us that opportunity. We're thankful now that you've given us the opportunity to open your word. And I pray that it would be uh, spoken, it would be preached uh, as through just a vessel, from your heart uh, to our hearts, Lord, that, it, that this time would be a time that's set apart 
uh, where you do a work that only you can do. And I pray that we would all make ourselves available to you, that we would uh, ready our hearts, ready our minds. God, I know there's a lot of things going on in our lives, and, and even today, I'm sure there's things going on after this service today. I just pray for these, uh, the next several minutes that we're in your word, we'd be able to focus on you, that we again receive from you what you want. God, if there's somebody here today that doesn't have an intimate, a personal relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that they would see today is the day of salvation, that they wouldn't put it off, they wouldn't wait, they wouldn't continue to, to be deceived that it's going to be okay, Lord. Today they would make that decision to surrender their life to you, uh, seeing that, again, it's, it's the moment to redeem. And uh, we pray you bless now, and we'll, pr we'll praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 42, again, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along, if not, on the screen, verse 26. They laid their asses with corn and departed thence, and as one of them opened a sack to give his ass pro uh, provender or some food, in the end he espied, he saw his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. So uh, again, a little recap. Uh, Joseph, the brother, betrayed brother, uh, was now the governor. He was the prince of all of Egypt. He was over everything. Pharaoh had given him charge of every single thing. His brothers were in, back in, in Israel, and there was famine in the land. They come back, they go to Egypt to get uh, food and substance because they were suffering there in, in Israel. Joseph recognized his brothers, but he made it in a way that his brothers couldn't recognize him. And so in, in this transaction, he tells them, listen, I, I want to see your younger brother. Because they told him, there, there's another brother back at home with our dad, and there's another brother that's not. He's passed away, which was, again, Joseph right before him, they didn't know. Um, and so he says, okay, this is the deal. Uh, I, I want you to go back, uh, send one person back, and bring the younger brother. Well, then a couple days went by, and he changed his mind. He says, everybody else can go back, but one is going to stay. I want you to bring back your younger brother. And so they leave, and what Joseph does, again, what we saw in giving them grace, was he gave to them all the things that they needed, and then he also replenished their money that they had used in their travel and while they were there to buy the substance. So again, that was the grace that was extended to brothers who had betrayed him, who had sold him into slavery, who had done all those things. Joseph was being good to those who had been bad to him. And so now he, he, they, they, they're, they're going along the way. The brothers are headed back home, and, and they stop, and, and, and he begins to give him his, his, his donkey some food. And as he's opening up his sack, his satchel, his horse, you know, his donkey satchel, he, he sees the money that he had already spent still in a sack, and he begins to immediately know something's up. In verse 28, he said to his brother, my money's restored, something's not right. And lo, it's even in my sack. And look what happens. Their heart faileth them. And they were afraid, saying one to another, what is this that God hath done unto us? Now, now remember, they had seen the prince, they had seen the governor, seen Joseph, they didn't know it was Joseph, they saw him. He's the one that did this to them. He's the one, uh, physically, let, let me make that clear. He's the one that replenished their, their money. He's the one that gave them the corn uh, without cost, obviously. But in this moment, the brothers, their first thought was, what is this that God has done to us? What's God done to us? The life point that I, I want to look at first of all this morning is light exposes darkness. Light exposes darkness. Joseph, by being gracious, by showing love, by not being vengeful, by not 
uh, seeking to get his brothers back and not being spiteful and not being any of those things that the flesh, I'm sure, wanted to do. But by being the light, by choosing to do what was pleasing in God's sight, in this moment, he did what was right. And then what happened because he was being light in that moment, it exposed their darkness. It exposed their, the, the sinfulness that was in their life. Joseph gave the grace. And what the, res, the response for the, from the brothers was is a dread, not of Joseph, but of God for their sinful actions. As the children of God, as those of us, if you're here this morning, you're saved, and there's no question in your mind that you're a child of God. As the children of God, we aren't to live from a place of self-righteousness. We're not supposed to live from a place of, uh, uh, of condescension, looking down upon other people. Because the reality in all of our lives, if we're truly saved, is we know that we are not better than anyone. I'm not better, you're not better, there's no one that's better than anyone all of us in this room, if you're a child of God, every single one of us are sinners saved by the grace of God. Every single one of us. So maybe you're here this morning and you don't have that personal relationship with Christ. Maybe you came and you're, and, and you're a guest and, and you're with a family member and you're thinking, these Christians, they just all think they're better than themselves, but they're a bunch of hypocrites. I'm telling you this morning, I don't think I'm better than anybody. We're not better than anybody. We're saved by grace. We've been forgiven of our sins. But it's because of what Jesus Christ has done in our place. It's because of what God has done for us. And so we have no right to look down on anybody. We have no right to think we're better than anybody else. But what we are supposed to do as the children of God is we're supposed to live from a place of obedience. We're supposed to live from a place that we are being light in a dark place, light in a dark world. We should be very clearly distinguished from the darkness of this world because of the light, the life of light that we live. And I believe if we live like that, if you're a child of God and if you live like you are a light in this world, which means that you're being obedient to God himself, that in this dark world you'll be revealed as such. You'll be revealed as a child of light. You'll be revealed and regarded as, you know what, that person is different. They are, they are light. They, are, they, they have something different than everybody else that I know. See, those that are in darkness are deceived to think that sin is okay. Those in darkness are deceived to believe that sin is not a problem. And if we are living as light in this world, our lives will expose that error in their life. It, it'll expose the, the, the fact that sin is truly sin. But that's where the concern comes in, right? That's where the concern is today. As I, as I said earlier, I, I thank God that we have fathers here, that are, men are here uh, on this day that's been historically in the church set aside to worship the only God of all creation. That, that the father's saying, you know what? Me and my house, we're gonna serve God. We're gonna put God first. The reason why is because we have a culture that's saturated with a lot of people that say a lot of the right things but don't live what they say. A lot of people that, that, are, that, that are wanting to live in the light, but they don't live in the light. And so it becomes a very dim light. And so sin doesn't really appear to be sin in the world. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13 says, But all things that are reproved, and the word reproved means that are discovered or, 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 or revealed, are made manifest. They are made visible by the light. So light exposes. We know that. 
If we turned all the lights off in this place and covered all the windows, it would be very dark. If one person turned on their cell phone light, it would change the culture in this room. It would change the, the environment just by that little light. But if every single one of us turned on cell phone light, or if we turned all the lights on, then it would change the environment. It would, the darkness would obviously be impacted and affected by the lights that were here. That's what Jesus Christ, that's what God has told us that our lives are supposed to do in this dark world. That the light is supposed to make visible those things are in darkness. It says, because whatsoever doth make manifest or whatever makes visible is light. So I believe if we live in the light, if we're the children of God and we live like we're the children of God, being obedient to his word, living in the light, it means many things, but among the things that it means, just like Joseph, number one, it means that our lives and actions should point others to God. That's the reality. If we are living as children of light, if we are living as light in this dark world, as Joseph gave grace in that moment that didn't make sense, and it pointed his brothers back to God. What has God done to us? I believe our lives will do the same exact thing to those who are in darkness. If we live as God has called us to live, as light in this dark world, it'll point others back to God or point others to God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said it. You're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle or put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. See, we are called to be the light in this dark world. We are to, to have evident works of obedience that people say, man, those people are definitely different from everybody else. Number two, secondly, if we live in the light, we're not going to fit in with the darkness of this world. And that's what my concern is today. With many people who call themselves Christians, they're more interested in maybe what they want or what others want from them versus what God has called of them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7, be, be not ye therefore partakers with them. It's talking about those who are living in sin. For you were sometimes darkness. In other words, he said, you, at one point in time, you lived in darkness. But look what he says, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Not acceptable to man, not acceptable to you, but acceptable unto the Lord. And look what he says in verse 11. And have no fellowship. Not a little, not some. He says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But here's your job, he says. But expose them. Reprove them. Again, this doesn't mean that we're uh, sin police, that we walk around looking at other people's lives and say, oh, you're doing wrong there, oh, you're sinful. No, it's not saying that. But we are to live lives in the light, obedient lives to the Lord. And as we live in obedience and as we live in the light, what happens is, as it says, light exposes the darkness. It reveals it as such. He says it's a shame to even speak of those things that are done of them in secret. So again, if we live our lives in sincerity and obedience to the, to the Lord, devoted to Him wholly, there's going to be a difference that happens in this world. The Bible says that in the end times that there are going to be, there's going to be a great falling away of the faith. That there are going to be those that are lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. It says that in the end times 
that men are going to be full of themselves, full of their own agendas. And we see that before us now. Those who even claim to be Christians can set aside the things of God for what they want in their life. And the people of God throughout history have always been marked by their willingness to even die for the name of Jesus Christ. And today it seems like we can just set his name aside and put it on our shirt like a badge, and that makes us go into heaven. And that's not what we see. We see a distinction in Scripture, and the distinction is this, that the people of God are called light, and that light is definitely seen as different than darkness. It's, it's an evident distinction. Thirdly, if we live in the light, because we obediently and passionately share the gospel, darkness can share or can see the light. So if we're in the light, uh, we had a conversation yesterday at the picnic, and, and, and the question was this, if this is really true, if Jesus Christ really is the only way, and if we truly have been forgiven of all of our sins and are on our way to heaven, and it's real faith, it's real relationship, it's a real thing, if the gospel is truly the only way, then how in the world could we not be bold to share the gospel? I mean, if it was really that, I understand that people are wired differently. I'm talking about I'm not talking about extroverts or introverts. I'm not talking about that. But if our life has been radically transformed and we've been taken, as the Bible says, from darkness and placed into light, and we know that we have the only hope for salvation inside of us, how could we not share it? How could that not, light not want to radiate out of us? And that's exactly what we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. If we hide the gospel that we've been given, then we're keeping it concealed from those who are dying and going to hell. That's what he says. And in their case, the God of this world's blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Here it is. Listen to what it says. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So if we aren't living in the light, then we're not going to be sharing the light of the gospel. And if we're not sharing the light of the gospel, then those who are dying and going to hell are continually being blinded day by day by the God of this world, that their sin is okay, that it's going to be a party in hell, that there's not really this great difference between the person who lives next door calling themselves a Christian and them. He says, if we keep this veiled, then those who are in darkness, they're going to die in their sin. Verse 5, for... What we proclaim is not ourselves, but we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as servants for, your, for Jesus' sakes. For, for God, who said, let the sh light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for the light of the gospel shining in our lives, we would not have that knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord. In verse 7, Paul says, but we have this treasure. We have this treasure of the light. We have this treasure of the gospel in our lives, in these, uh, these jars of clay, these earthen bodies. And here it is, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. As I said a while ago, we have no reason to say that we're better than anybody else. We have no right to say that, that, that somebody else is bad and we're good. None of us can say that because the power belongs to God. The power of changing our lives, the, the power of the gospel inside of us. But I want to ask you this morning, please listen. The question for every believer in here this morning, a professing believer this morning, is this. Are you pointing people to Jesus through your life? 
or are you pulling them away from him? We've got to answer that question this morning. Today we're honoring fathers and we're saying, you know what? God has blessed us with, with men and with fathers. And I, again, I commend all of the fathers in here who are, who, are, who are good fathers and good husbands and leading your homes because, again, that's so absent from our culture today. But the fact that you're here and you're with your family and you're saying, you know what? God first. It's so needed today. But the question, again, is, Every single one of us who professes Jesus Christ, you got to answer that question. Am I pointing people to Christ or am I actually pulling them away from him? When people see how you live for, and, and listen to this, not how you live for only, but how you love Jesus. Do they see an irresistible Savior and an irresistible relationship with him? So that's a challenging question. Listen to it again. When people see how you live and you love Jesus, do they look at your life and say, man, I want that. What she has, what he has, man, I gotta know what it's about. Talk about him all the time. They sing about him around the office. They, they, I mean, man, they, they won't stop talking about Jesus. What is this about Jesus? I know a lot of people that claim to have a relationship with him, but that person that I work with, that neighbor that lives next to me, that family member, they love him. They talk about him. They're always about him. What is this about their Jesus? Is that the life we live? Or do, do, would, would people be surprised to know that we even have a relationship with Jesus? And in that regard, are, are we pulling them away from him? Are we keeping their eyes veiled in the darkness that Satan has them in? Does the light and the love for Jesus show a clear distinction in your life that you've been changed? When people look at your life and they say, man, he loves, he loves Jesus, she loves Jesus, they live for Jesus, he is very clearly their God, he is very clearly the Lord over their life, there's no others that compete for, for that allegiance in their life? When people see that, do they say there's no doubt in that person's life that they've been changed? Are you clearly being the light? Is the life that you've been given, please listen, by Jesus, show that he's the undisputed king, that he is the absolute Lord of your life, the God in your life with no other gods beside him? Or is there a muddied vision of who and what your God is? When people look and observe and watch your life, do they say there's no doubt that that person has Jesus Christ as not only their Savior, but their Lord? And you can't have one without the other, by the way, biblically speaking. You can't have, well, he's my Savior. He may not be my Lord. He may not be directing everything that I do. Can't do that. That's not biblical salvation. Biblical salvation is that he is both Lord and Savior. Matter of fact, Romans says that unless we confess the Lord, that we can't be saved. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a lordship salvation. It's the life that Jesus has, that he's given you. Does it reveal that there's no competitors for that place of God in your life? Not your spouse, not your kids, not your money, not your hobbies, not your vacation, not anything. There's no 
other God before him. There's only one. Is that what our lives say? Because that's being lied. Joseph's actions clearly, and not even directly saying anything to his brothers, but clearly his actions drew out their darkness. And again, this is what light does. That's what Jesus did with the woman at the well. That's what Jesus did with the woman caught in adultery. That's what he did with the Pharisees. That's what he did with the disciples. Truth and light reveals darkness. Listen, there should, we, should, we should want to, to love everybody. We should want to, to show the love of God to everybody. But what's going to happen is, as we live in the light, it's going to cause a difference between us and those in darkness. It doesn't mean that we're better than them. It doesn't mean that we think that we're, we're superior to them. It doesn't mean anything like that. It shows a difference, though, that our lives have been radically transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And that, they, that he would do the same thing for them if they asked. Now, this leaves us with a choice, though. Even those of us who have been changed, brought to the light, when we see any remnant of darkness in us, we're given a choice. So if you're here this morning and say, you know what? I, I'm, I may be one of those that may be pulling people away from Jesus by me not pulling people to him, drawing him. Maybe I'm that one that, that my light has grown a little bit dim and, and it's, not, it's not showing a distinction in my life that I've been changed. If that's you this morning, you have a choice just like me. I can either remain in that, that condition and maybe cause damage to the kingdom of God or I can say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've not been the light. I'm sorry I've been more consumed with my own agenda than being obedient and following yours. God, I'm sorry that, that I've become selfish and self-centered in my life. God, I'm sorry that, 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 that I've made this life about me, and it's the life that you've given to me to live for you, and I'm sorry, God. T today we have that choice. See, we go day to day, and we go week to week, and sometimes we make choices, and our lives begin to, to, to be a culmination of all these choices that we make, and sometimes we get further down the road than we realize, and we've made a mess of things. For not only us, but our family as well. We don't think it's a big deal in the moment, because it's just, well, it's not a big deal. But a culmination of that stuff leads us to this place, and we look back and we say, how did my kids get so far off? How did my grand, how did this happen to us? That's why Joseph said, not Joseph, um, Joshua said, in Joshua 24, you need to choose this day who you're going to serve. If you're going to serve the gods that are in this world, then go do that. For me and my house, we're going to serve the one true God. That's what you need to decide. Child of God, you've been given the life and the light to share, to point others to Christ. That's why you've been given life. Not to consume it upon yourself, not to it's, it's to point others. That's your purpose. That's my purpose. I don't care what job you have. I don't care what the, the hobbies or activities you're involved with. Your purpose in life as a child of God is to point others to Christ now. That's your purpose. Are you doing it? Based on you, his child, his representative, his ambassador, your life. Please listen. Look at your life right now. Based on where you're at right now, how important is Jesus? in the eyes of others.
based on your life? That question hit me right between the eyes. How important is Jesus to others in the eyes of others based on your life right now? Is he just another person? Is he just someone that you can kind of claim and, and, and be around? Or in the eyes of others, when somebody looks at your life, is it very clearly there's no other gods in this world other than Jesus? There's no other one who's worthy of praise and devotion other than Jesus. Is that what they see? I want to hurry and get this last point and be done. Verse 29. We don't have service tonight, so I'm not going to try to keep us long, but verse 29. They came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, and told him all that befell them. So again, the, the brothers come back. They, they, they talk to the dad. They say, look, this is what's happening. Uh, he said that we're spies. We said we're not spies. They kept one of the brothers. We came back. What he wants us to do is bring our youngest brother back to him. Verse 36, And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph's not. Joseph's no longer. Now Simeon's in, in, in Egypt. And then you're asking to take Benjamin away from me. All these things are against me, he said. Reuben steps up and says, You know what? Here's the deal. I'll, I'll take him and I'll bring him back. And if he doesn't, then you can have my kids. Whoa. He says, If mischief befall him by the way, verse 38, which you go, then shall you bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. What we're going to see here is the fathers are put to the test. Jacob, Reuben, and Judah. They're going to be put to the test. See, Joseph's tests were important in God's plan to bless the seed of Abraham. God planned to bring the family of, uh, of Jacob, the family of Israel, into Egypt so that he would make a nation of them there, be their deliverer, be their, be their God, be their Lord, undisputed. And it was necessary that the fathers here be tested in this process. Joseph's prodding had to be a little subtle. The brothers, obviously, as we saw, perceived the hand of God in all of this. They acknowledged their crimes against Joseph, and, and now they're facing some decisions. So Reuben steps up and says, you know what, hey, I'll, I'll do this. Which is interesting, right? Because Reuben steps up and sa says, I'll do this, and he was basically... Uh, the one that failed to prevent the loss of Joseph. <laughs> like he goes away and they had already done away with Joseph. He's like, hey, what have you done? But if you look in your Bibles in Genesis chapter 40, 43, it's going to be on the screen. It says, now, now the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again and buy as little food. Buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, the man solemnly warned us, saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Look, dad, you're not hearing us. <laughs> It's not going to be good if we don't bring back Benjamin with us. If you'll send, your, uh, send our brother with us, we'll go down and, and buy you food. But if you're not sent, you will not send him, we will not go down. Because the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother's with you. Israel said, why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another, another brother? Why did you even say you had another brother? J Jacob's, his heart's not completely right yet as well either. They replied, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? And so what, what we told him was the answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, bring your brother down? Could we know that he was going to say, hey, you got another brother? Let me see him. We, we would have known that. And Judah said to, his, uh, to Israel, his father, send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, 
that we may live and not die, both we and you and our little ones. Listen to what he says. I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand, you shall require of him. If I don't bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice. Look, we've wasted a lot of time. Let him go with me. And I'll, I'll bring him back. And if I don't bring him back, then you can blame me forever. It's another interesting turn. Judah breaks this deadlock with Jacob being unwilling to send Benjamin by offering to take this blame forever. What's interesting about it is that he succeeded where Reuben failed. What's even more interesting about it is Judah was the one who had come up with a plan to sell Joseph into slavery. Isn't that interesting? Now he's the one willing to risk it all to make things right. What we see in this is men's failures, men's failures, failures redeemed. Conviction and repentance, I believe, has brought about this. They realized God was trying to get their attention. Again, Reuben failed, Judah failed, Jacob was in a wrong place. But now they're seemingly willing to sacrifice for what's right. In this moment, faith is being built. In verse 11, their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of, uh, of the land in your bags. Carry a present out of the man, a little balm, a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Double. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise and go again to the man. Listen to what he says in verse 14. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. May he send back your older brother and Benjamin. And as for me, I'm bereaved, and my children, I am bereaved. The last point, I'm going to be done. A, fa a father's faith in God must set the example for others. You notice what he said there? He says, may God Almighty grant you the mercy. Jacob was, no, I've already lost so much, and now he comes to a place where he's willing to trust God. He'd been brought back to a place of dependence on God through these circumstances. The question I have for our fathers this morning is this. Dads. Fathers, grandfathers, does your faith in God set examples for others? When your kids look at you, when your grandkids look at you, do they say, there's no doubt my dad, my granddad has absolute faith in God? So Jacob, he begins to say, you know what, take all this stuff, take it, and take Benjamin. I, you know what, may God be the one that keeps you. All these fathers were willing to trust God. But it was through extreme pressure. Sometimes God takes us through situations in our lives where we can do nothing but trust God. And that's what's happened here. Fathers, will you trust God and set the example for your family? It's necessary today. Do you have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ? If not, today is a perfect day to enter into that relationship. If you do, let's make sure that we're setting the example of faith. Let's make sure that it's clear when your children look at you, when your grandchildren look at you, when your neighbors look at your life, when, when your friends look at your life, when your coworkers look at your life, that every single one of them come to the same conclusion. They trust in God wholly. They have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Let it be clear that you rely on God. Not your wisdom, not your understanding, not your experience, not anything else, but you rely on God. Fathers, can that be said of you today? You say, I don't know if it can be said of me, but that's what I want. Then I want to encourage you this morning during this invitation. Let that be your prayer. 
talk to the Lord, God, I want that testimony for my life. I want my kids to know that their father trusts you wholly. I I want everybody to know that I've been changed by your power, God. I don't want to keep the light of the gospel veiled from my family members who are lost and dying and going to hell. I don't want to keep the, the light of the gospel veiled from my friends who are lost and on their way to hell. I don't want to keep them veiled in darkness because I'm afraid to live in the light. Let's, be, let's let that be our prayer this morning. Let's walk out of this place different. And say, so you know what? We'll be the people of God who are light. Let's see what God's able to do with that. Change the course of an entire nation. Made a nation. Built on faith. And that's exactly what we see in Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, as I've already thanked you, I thank you again for the challenges that you've given me in this. Lord, I I pray that my life would very very clearly point to you. I pray that there would be no questions from anybody that I encounter of who, what my God is. That it's very clearly you. I, I, I pray that that would be every single father's and Grandfathers, every single Christian's desire in this place. Lord, beyond that, if there's somebody here that they know they don't have a real personal relationship with you, if they'd realize that that's the only way to have eternal life, it's the only way to heaven, is to put their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray before they leave this place that they'll, they'll make that decision. Lord, I pray that you'd move them in this invitation. They'd come down to this altar and they say, to somebody, I, I need to know how to have that salvation. I need to know how to have eternal life. Pray that they wouldn't be able to leave this place today until they got that matter settled. Or just move now. We'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name.